What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I was 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Funniest player on the team for me is Belly, and it's the way he delivers them for real. It's like when he delivers his jokes, there's no laugh, and you really can't even tell if he's serious or not. Yes, we deserve this win, man. Fox Force 5, flying high in both Oh, my goodness. I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling the best I've ever felt. I'm excited. I'm, I'm all about winning. I know that the fans here are extremely loyal and passionate. And just like them, I, I want to become not just a playoff team, but a sustained playoff team and eventually get back to some of that championship success and contention. With the 12th pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, Sacramento Kings select Tyrese Halliburton. Imagine being one of those players that's on a team that you know hasn't been in the playoffs in over a decade, almost two decades, about a decade and a half, and then being the first team to actually get to the playoffs. Just being able to be a part of that would definitely be something special. And if we can, you know, end up building a championship contending team, you're winning a championship in Sacramento like that. That's looked at a lot differently. You probably feel better than you do with anything else. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast, a.k.a. the Doomers King's podcast. My name is Brendan <laughs> Nudez. Brian West on the show as always. You know, Brian, I'm not going to ask how you're doing today. We just lost by 50 plus to the Jazz. What are you drinking tonight? That's the question. Oh, I poured myself a large glass of bourbon and only stopped when I realized that, oh my goodness, I just poured myself like five shots worth. It probably wasn't a good idea. And in that half, second half of basketball, I probably drank three shots of it. So I'm doing pretty okay for having just watched a 52-point loss. Yeah, and uh, we are presented by the King's Herald. We got a member of the King's Herald, more than a member, editor of the King's Herald, Greg Wissinger on here as well. What's going on, Greg? What, what's in your uh, What's in your glass tonight, man? Oh, well, I'm, I'm a Colorado guy, so I'm drinking Coors Light. Not, nothing fancy. There we go. I don't know where to start, I guess. Okay, so Bryant said that this wasn't the worst game he's ever watched. <laughs> Which game did you say it was, Bryant? Uh, Weber blowing out his knee against the Mavericks. That was the worst game I ever watched. Yeah, that's fair. That game mattered, to be fair. Like, I guess like, <laughs> lo- losing isn't really a bad thing right now, right? It's just the style of it. Yeah, um, I mean... I didn't think we were going to lose by 52 points, but uh, I very much did not expect us to win, even with Mike Conley and uh, 
Mitchell out tonight. Didn't yeah. expect 52 points, but. No, certainly not. Um, I mean, it's pathetic, really. Like, I, I get that you're, I don't know. I, I guess I was going to say I get you're without Fox, but it's not an excuse. Like you said, there's no Mitch, Mitchell, there's no Conley. It's just, it's pathetic. Um, at, at very least, like, why is Jemias Ramsey not coming in until five minutes left in the game? Um, I, I don't understand why he's not getting run. I don't understand why they're switching everything at the beginning of the game. I want to say it was 25-26 at one point in that first quarter, and it looked like it might be somewhat okay. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I genuinely don't know what to say about this game, I guess. If we want to point to something to have some conversation on, it's that Chemezi Metu started at the four. Um, what do you make of Chemezi Metu, um, the potential of him being a power forward, Greg? I, I actually hate the idea of trying that out tonight. Um, with the injuries and the people who weren't available, you know, the, the starting lineup was a, a little odd, but the, it was Halliburton, Heald, uh, Harkless, Metu, and then Holmes. And I mean, the trick with Metu is, as a center has always been that he's a little on the lean side for that, uh, but you know he's shown a, a little bit of touch from you know more than a foot away from the basket. So I was curious to see how he'd work as a four. I mean, on offense, I didn't think it was terrible, but on defense, it, it didn't seem to work out very well. It, it you know he has some de- defensive limitations as a center, and I think those still exist as a power forward and. Yeah, I think that's fine. I mean, I'm sure we'll kind of get into his extension today, but, I mean, he's going to be out of place being expected to match up against starters on most nights, regardless of which position he's playing. Totally. I think Meadows in the game for offensive purposes, and I realized today um, when I was doing a little bit of a research for a piece that's coming out at King's Herald tomorrow that Meadows actually played most of his minutes at USC at the four, um, which – you know, isn't necessarily saying too much. Like a Kongwu played a lot of his minutes at the four. And when he was out there today, I was just imagining a different USC center alongside Holmes out there, I will say. Um, but I do think that, yeah, like I said, Metu is primarily out there for offensive purposes. And I think that, you know, he has shown some versatility there enough that um, I, I guess it wasn't converting his two-way contract, but they signed him to a new deal that, it goes through the end of this season and is $1.7 million in 2021-22 and $1.9 million in 22-23. Um, as a whole, what have you liked or been skeptical about what you've seen from Metu and what it potentially means for him moving forward, Bryant? You know, he's still a pretty young center in this league, was the – 49th overall pick in the 2018 draft of the Spurs. This is only his third year. He's still just 23 years old. Um, but, yeah, how do you feel about Metu being on the team potentially for a couple more years here? I'm fine with it. Um, you know, I don't really see a downside to extending either Chimezi Metu or Damian Jones to uh, multi-year deals, assuming that the future years are not guaranteed. And it, 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 there's no reason to think that they're not not guaranteed. Um, and if Shemezi goes through this summer and really keeps working on that shot, uh, I definitely think that he can be a fine fourth, fifth big man, add some floor spacing. I mean, even when this game was out of line, 
Jamezi still was trying on defense. He had that nice steal and dunk. Um, so, I mean, he's a dude who, who gives a fuck. Um, and as we're always quick to point out, like it takes big men a long time to really adjust to this league, a lot more than it takes ball-dominant guards. Um, Chimezzi's only 24. Uh, I think, you know, another year or so, who knows? Maybe he really is the first big off the bench uh, next year. But I doubt it, but there's no reason not to take that gamble. Totally. I, I don't see much downside in it, assuming, and I, I believe it was reported, um, that those additional years are non-guaranteed. And you mentioned Damian Jones as well, who was also um, just completing his second 10-day with the Kings this year after he already played with the Phoenix Suns and LA Lakers on 10-day contracts as well and, and finally found a little bit of a longer home, even though I want to say there's 10 games left in this season. But the deal does extend into 21-22. The wording I saw was a multi-year contract. Um, I, I didn't see an exact description of what the exact dollar amount is, um, but I am assuming that you know it's it's nothing substantial, that it's probably a near-minimum deal. And I'd be surprised if there wasn't some sort of non-guarantee on it as well. Um, Greg, do you have a player between these two that or, – or we'll just talk to Jamie, Damian Jones first before we kind of compare them. What have you seen from Damian Jones in the two 10 days that he spent in Sacramento? I think what we've seen from Jones is exactly what everyone said that the Kings would get when they brought Jones in. I mean – I unfortunately followed too many Laker fans, but uh, they on Twitter, and they were all kind of high on his experience there in Los Angeles, uh, where he spent a couple of ten days. Where, you know, he's not a flashy offensive player. He's an opportunistic scorer. He scores efficiently. His his shooting percentages are really good because he pretty much just takes shots if they're going to be makes. He doesn't force anything. Uh, but on the defensive side, he's physical. He can disrupt. He you know, can block a shot here and there. We we saw him match up really well against Carl Anthony Towns for a couple of possessions in the Minnesota game. So, yeah, I mean, very similar to, to Metu. They're different players as far as how they play, but they're in very similar boats that either one of them would be fine depth at the big man position. Like, they both bring something different to the table. If you combine the two of them, they'd be a great player, but <laughs> they they just have different skill sets. But both are going to be on essentially team-friendly deals. It gives them both a raise and, and some added security this year. It rewards them for what they've done so far and gives the team the ability to keep one or both next season and then beyond next season for Metu uh, if they decide to. If they find something better or able to lure someone better, if they need the space for whatever reason, they aren't tied up with anything. So that's a, that's a win-win. I mean, they're taking care of the players. You know, they're they're rewarding them for their play this year, but still maintaining all their flexibility for the future. Yeah, and should mention they did waive um, Chris Silva in order to make room for for both of these players, which um, not not too big of a deal to me. And yeah, I'm with uh, in agreement with what both of you guys said here. I, I think that personally, right now, I view both of these players as ideally third-string centers, but I think they both have a chance to become a 
backup center at some point in the league, considering that, like Greg said, and, and we've said multiple times, that the centers take a while to come around. Um, you know, you saw Rashawn Holmes, for example, who probably had a bit more flashes than both of these players, but it wasn't until he came to Sacramento and was given increased opportunity in minutes that he really came into his own at age 26. And Chemezi Metu is currently 24 in his third year. Damian Jones is 25 in his one, two, three, four, five, fifth year um, in the league as well. So the way I kind of view it is I think Metu has, I mean, Metu is the offensive prospect and Damian Jones is the defensive prospect, to, to put it simply. And I do think that defense is more valuable from the center position since I think that's the most valuable um, position that there is on the defensive end of the floor. But at the same time, um, De'Aaron Fox obviously is absolutely elite at driving to the basket and finishing when he's there. And he hasn't really played with aside from when Marvin Bagley was staying at the five or I guess if you want to say Dwayne Dedman, even though he somehow forgot to play basketball pretty much overall, um, hasn't played with a floor spacing five. So if Metu can eventually stretch out to the three-point line, I think that that could be beneficial. But the way I view it, I kind of see Metu as the potentially higher upside because of his offensive versatility. But I think that Jones probably has a little bit more likelihood to work out, but definitely not betting on either one of these guys. And it, it doesn't matter if they don't pan out. If it does, it is a plus then they have these guys on value contracts for at least next year, potentially a year after that in Metu's case. And, and maybe Jones's, like I said, that information I haven't seen um, fully clarified anywhere quite yet. So yeah, I mean, it's a low, very minimal risk move that could potentially pay off slightly for McNair. So definitely don't mind these happening at all. Um, yeah. Um, I guess also, what do you guys, I, I want to say that Mo Harkless has surprised me in his time here. I've actually enjoyed the Mo Harkless minutes, weirdly. Um, I, I mean, he's playing too much. Like, don't get me wrong. I would have rather seen JR out there, you know, at this point in the year. But it's somebody that um, I think, like Bryant mentioned about Metu, actually gives a damn on the defensive end of the floor. And I think he's been capable on the offensive end. Is is Mo Harkless a guy that you'd be interested, Greg, in bringing back to Sacramento next year on a reasonable deal? And if so, what is reasonable to you? Um, yeah, I mean, that, the deal is where it, it comes down to it for me. Because anything more than pretty close to the minimum, I, I don't see a reason to bring him back. I mean, I think... Harkless is the type of player who, yeah, I mean, he comes in, he's professional, he plays hard, but he's also trying to earn his next contract right now. Um, so I don't want to overvalue that. He's on a bad team. He's a, a, a seasoned NBA vet, and he knows what he has to do to kind of highlight himself to make sure that he gets the next contract. Um, I don't think he's all that different or that much harder to find than, for example, you know, guys like Kemp Bazemore, who we had last year, where, you know, there's always those guys available. And, you know, Bazemore, they got in a trade for cheap. And Harkless, they got in a trade for cheap. I mean, mm -hmm. you can get a, a wing who does a, a little bit of everything, but nothing exceptional. I mean, those guys are out there. I mean, 
the, the Kings haven't always had the best luck of finding them, but I definitely don't want to overpay to hold on to just kind of an, an average guy who should just be a bench wing on a, a normal team. Totally. Yeah. I saw in the in the Kings Herald comment section, so I, I guess take that for what you will, that somebody mentioned James Hamm was saying on the radio something along the lines of like a three-year, $12 million deal. Um, and, and that's not sourced, but it was just Hamm kind of talking what he feels like would be a reasonable deal for Harkless and that he's played well during his time in Sacramento. What do you think about that sort of range if we're talking about Harkless, Bryant? Yeah, I mean, that's all right. Um, I agree with Greg that Mo Harkless gives a damn. Um, so if the Kings can bring him back on a deal that makes sense, that's fine. Um, he's a, a solid enough defender. Uh, although I see that his offense once again uh, vanished tonight. So I don't want him to be in any sort of starting capacity next year. Um, but if they want to keep a veteran who if you know, they always seem to get these veterans who always seem to play all right defense, and then do they just let him go then next summer? So maybe that happens again. Maybe he's the guy who sticks around. Um, I don't know. As long as it's the same kind of thing with uh, Matu and Jones. As long as keeping Mo Harkless doesn't change any sort of approach to fixing your otherwise barren wing forward rotation, then fine. Yeah, I guess there yeah, I mean, is. Go ahead, Greg. Sorry. Uh, like I was just gonna say, like so, let's say some other team signed Harkless this summer to three years, twelve million. I'm not gonna be upset. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. not gonna be like, oh, how did we lose him? We could have paid him that. Like I, I don't really care. <laughs> like Harkless yeah. does not move the needle for me one way or the other. Like he's not a problem. He's a, a competent player when he's out there, but he's not solving anything. Like he's not the answer to the Kings' issues. Like. The issues with the Kings are much deeper than keeping or losing Mo Harkless. Um, and, I mean, yeah, if he's, like, your third or fourth wing on your roster, fine. Like, that's perfectly fine. But if he's captain, you know, we're being told, like, see, they, they address the wing. Like, right. then I'm not <laughs> happy. <laughs> yeah, there, there definitely is those ifs attached to Harkless. But I will say, like, if it is a low-risk deal – and three years, 12 is, like, fine. That's totally in that range. And he's not taking minutes. He's not reducing significantly or fully Robert Woodard's playing time. That's fine. <laughs> and, like, he can't be the starter on this team. Like Greg said, like, he can't be the solution. You know, like, I don't mind Mo Harkless as a depth piece. I kind of like the idea of it. I like the idea of a defensive-focused 6-7 wing that is – seasoned and has you know some capabilities on the offensive end and seems to actually care on most possessions um, make proper defensive rotations and like have an understanding on that end of the floor um, like I definitely don't mind the idea of keeping him around but yeah like Greg said like if he signs three years 12 million somewhere else I'm certainly not throwing a fit like I'm not even really caring that much about that um you mentioned I, I think it was good that you mentioned you know Kent Bazemore was got for cheap Harkless was got for cheap definitely guys like that out there um yeah where else man I will say this episode I, I don't know how much that uh I have to talk about this team uh, I feel like I've already ran through a whole lot of this 
Um, Bryant, do you have another direction to take us in right now before <laughs> I go completely off the deep end? Uh, I very much miss uh, De'Aaron Fox. Definitely could see that Tyrese Albert misses De'Aaron Fox tonight. Um, man, Tyrese Albert had eight assists tonight. It's amazing to me that the Kings had eight assists. <laughs> yeah, this is very much a uh, a doomer podcast right here. So I, I've got something that I, I want to talk to you about, Bryant. Uh, okay. So you, you mentioned kind of Halliburton missing Fox, and you know we've kind of had a, a lot of fun this season watching Halliburton and, and kind of laughing at all the teams that have passed on him. But does this kind of validate maybe? why Sacramento was a, a perfect landing spot for him versus some of the other places he could have gone where he would have been more of an, a focal point right off Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I, it, it, say he went to Detroit. Detroit doesn't have any other creators. Um, Excuse me, they have Corey Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Corey Joseph was going to get into Tyrese Albert, but it's one way or the other. Um I mean, Atlanta was the other logical one, like playoff of uh, uh, Trey Young. That makes sense. Um, we all know Dallas was trying to trade up and get Tyrese Halliburton playing next to Luka would have been great. But, I, you know, until Tyrese Halliburton tightens up his handles and, it, I mean, really gets some extra strength, it, there's going to be a, a real ceiling on what he can do with the ball in his hands and no other threats on the court. And, you know, I, I fully admit that I'm saying that after a Kings game where the second most dangerous player on the court is Rashawn Holmes, and the only other kind of creator on the court was Buddy Heald. So it's really hard for me to be hypercritical of Tyrese Halliburton's creation ability after probably the worst lineup he can possibly see on this team. But... This is always who Tyrese Halliburton was going to be his rookie year, um, and it's why we were all so excited about him coming in here. He's an absolutely perfect fit next to De'Aaron Fox. Uh, and if I can circle back two months, it's in a, it, exactly why every single person on Twitter who was like, maybe we should trade De'Aaron Fox now that we have Tyrese Halliburton is just absolutely bonkers. Yeah. I will say I don't appreciate your Justin James erasure saying that there were no other threats on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 16 points. A couple uh, – if he had thrown down that dunk in the second half, man, I'd be really uh, ecstatic man. for Justin James. You did something. He has that like three or four been... almost dunks, almost posters throughout his career. He's he's the the second coming of Ben McElmore in that regard. Like the guy who throws down the most exciting missed dunks in the oh league. Oh my God! <laughs> ben McElmore started his career with what would have been the dunk of the year if his tiny hands hadn't lost the ball going up. I will never forget that. I was at that game. That was at that was at the here we stayed game. And if he had thrown down that dunk, that building would have exploded. Nope, he just lost it. So, definitely some similarities there. I completely forgot about him. Uh, yeah, well, Greg, where are you at with Halliburton's ceiling? Because um, right now, I, I think you know tonight makes it a little more clear as well as you're kind of saying that, like you know, I kind of view him as more of a ceiling raiser or a um, yeah ceiling raiser rather than a floor raiser. I feel like I'm saying that wrong. 
But, um, yeah, he, he is not somebody that's going to raise your floor and more so a cog in a already good team. You know, more elite role player rather than star of a team. Where are you kind of at with – and, you know, it's, it's very early to tell. You don't know. You know, most improved player trajectories happen with young guys often. But where are you kind of at when team building and how you're accounting for the level of player that you plan on Halliburton being? Um, I I am not overreacting at all to how he looks without Fox. Um, mostly because I'm thinking back to what Fox looked like as a rookie. A lot worse than this. Way worse than what Halliburton looks like. And granted, like, Fox was a year younger as a rookie, like, but still, like, I mean, Halliburton is so far and away, like, just ahead of where most rookies are as far as his understanding of the game, his, his instincts, his awareness, all those little things. You know, the fact that he can shoot, he can pass, he can do all these other things. And, you know, he's an opportunistic defender. Not a great lockdown one-on-one defender right now, but the level he's at already, so many players don't ever get to that level. <laughs> like, rookies come in and, and never get to that level that he's already at. So I'm not putting any ceiling on him yet. I think it's perfectly fine to see where he's struggling now and say, okay, those are the things he has to work on. And it's fair to question if he'll succeed in developing those. But he's, by all accounts, he seems like a pretty hard worker. He comes across as a really smart guy. And so smart guys who work hard can usually figure things out, you know, especially since he's got the gifts, you know, athletic gifts and all those different pieces already. You know, he's got the intangibles that you can't teach. I'm less worried about the things that are teachable and, and seem perfectly within his ability to learn. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Greg. If I can go back to my profile of him right after the Kings drafted him, um, I, I tried to limit my own uh, optimism in the moment. And, you know, I talked about all of the same things we've talked about in terms of things he's got to work on. But then I finished up with there's he's the basketball genius. And he can fix anything. Nothing is out of bounds for what Tyrese Halliburton can do on the basketball court. Um, so right now is just a terribly optimized opportunity for him. Um, and a uh, 49-point blowout to the Utah Jazz is going to make anybody look shaky. And only 49, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, this was a, I felt like this was a good segue. The, guys with, the guy with the intangibles, the things you can't teach, you know, the Justin Fields, the Trey Lance, or you could take the guy with the accuracy that you can teach, the Mac Jones. Where, where, we, have <laughs> the, we have the NFL draft tomorrow. We're all Niners fans here, from my understanding. What fit are you throwing, Greg, if they throw Mac Jones? Or are you happy with Mac Jones? Where are you at with this? The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts.
Well, first off, I'm throwing less of a fit than you missing the obvious segue of 49-point yeah. loss to oh, 49. Shit. Come on, man. Shit. Oh, my God. I was seriously about to make that segue. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, no, Brendan's got this. It's too yeah, obvious. Brendan's got it. No, no, he uh, he did the Mac Jones underthrow right there. So that tells you where I'm at with Mac Jones. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I am – even less of a college football expert than I am a college basketball expert, and Bryant knows I don't pay any attention to college basketball. Um, I only paid any attention to this draft because the Niners traded up, and um, a lot of people I trust with football seem to think that it'd be kind of a mistake to take Mac Jones when you gave up so much to move up. That it. And the way that the team has been messaging their stuff is just giving me horrible flashbacks to when we started getting messaging through the media for, like, weeks ahead of the draft when the Kings were about to take Bagley instead of Luka. <laughs> that I I can't help but have a little PTSD from it. Yeah, you know, I am not a college football guy. Um, every time the draft rolls around, I try to do a little bit of research so that I can know who to be optimistic about. I've done absolutely none this year. And when the 49ers traded up, I thought, well, surely they're doing it with somebody great in mind. Like, I know Justin Fields. Uh, I know Trey Lance. they got to be looking at one of those dudes, right? But no, they're apparently looking at a dude whose middle name is McCorkle. <laughs> so, uh, okay, I've heard a lot of really smart people say exactly what Greg said, like, you're trading up for Mac Jones? Yeah. Like, all right. And, you know, I keep hearing this um, because I'm like, Greg, every time I read a Kyle Shanahan quote in the last week and a half, um, like the one that I tweeted yesterday that just terrified me was uh, Kyle Shanahan said, if you'd been excited about one of these guys at pick 12, then you should be excited at pick three. Oh, hell no. No, that's not how this freaking works, Kyle. You you traded it up using two other first round picks. Opportunity cost is not real. I, <laughs> like, okay, I have always been a Kyle Shanahan believer, but the whole purpose, the whole reason that anybody was excited about Kyle Shanahan coming and training, teaching the 49ers was that he was a smart offensive mind who could clearly pick the quarterback he wanted. Jimmy Garoppolo has not done great. C.J. Beathard was a third-round pick, and now he's gone. Every single backup quarterback the 49ers have brought in has ended up being trash. I'm going to really sit here and be like, well, I'm fully going to trust that Kyle Shanahan knows what he's doing with quarterbacks at this point. Like, It's very possible whoever they draft tomorrow is going to make this team super awesome again. I'll believe that when I see it. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I'll say is just that I do trust at this point John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan a lot more than I ever trusted Lonnie. Hundred percent. I mean, I mean, we all know Jimmy Garoppolo has had his faults, but he, you know, they still went to a Super Bowl with him. They went to Shanahan helped Matt Ryan lead the Falcons to the Super Bowl and came close to winning that one. I mean, like. He's taken some mediocre quarterbacks really far, so it I'll be fine with whatever they decide. Like, not necessarily just no reaction, but I'll be like, all right, what the hell do I know? Let's see how it goes. But at the same time, I'm like, 
maybe try it with a not mediocre quarterback and see what happens. Like, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be really interesting tomorrow because uh, I feel like 49ers Twitter is right on the same precipice we were in 2018, which was you know, all these experts, all these eye tests, and you're going to go so strong against the consensus? All right. And it's just there's so many – the top quarterbacks are all dynamic. You know, they're able to run. And this is just so opposite of what Jimmy has been able to do during his time in San Francisco. And it seems like, you know, the creativity of Shanahan would benefit from that so much. And the comfort that I – I guess the way that I am coping with all these Mac Jones leaks – and this was mentioned by Deuce and Mo had Matt Barrows on their show recently. He was a, a Niners beat reporter. And he pointed out, you know, like the Niners don't exactly leak things recently. Um, there's the Trent Williams thing was never leaked. Trading up to three was never leaked. I forget there's a couple others as well. I think the Jimmy Garoppolo trade initially was never leaked. Um, so that's where I am finding my, my peace with this and hoping that they do pick one of these dynamic quarterbacks. Yeah. Having watched five minutes of highlight film, I would very much like them to draft uh, Justin Fields. Exactly. Totally where I'm that, at. That's his name, right? I think that, that <laughs> Ohio State, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The other one's yeah. like Dakota somewhere in Dakota. I think there's two different Dakotas somewhere in the U.S. <laughs> I just want I the brought... Jets to Jets it up and, and let Wilson fall to us. I'd be fine yes. with that. <laughs> I promised our listeners I will pay more attention to the upcoming NBA draft. All right. So the way that we're closing out um, is I put out a tweet when this game was going to absolute shit, which was pretty early on. I will say in the second quarter, is there anything you want us to talk about? It doesn't have to be basketball related. I'm just going to go through a couple of these. One person asked, how's the weather? And I do want to say, this is my first summer in Sacramento. Oh. And I need to ask, actually, Greg, you're not in Sacramento, but you used to be in Sacramento, right? Yes. Why is the weather so indecisive? Like, is it going to be summer already, or am I going to think it's warm out and go out in shorts and it's going to be freezing that day and then it's just going to flip-flop? Like, is Bryant, is the weather going to yeah. make up its mind? What is happening right now? I grew up. 30 minutes from Sacramento. I can tell you this. Be happy when it's not hot. Indecisivity is good. As long as it's not 95 degrees and the threat of fires isn't happening, take anything that isn't that. Um, I'm in Colorado, and in the past week, yeah. I've seen snow and it be 76 degrees, so I don't really think California has indecisive weather. That's fair enough. Uh, I completely <laughs> forgot about that. <laughs> oh, God. I have, um, a, I have a snake phobia. And oh, God, me too. They're way worse here than in San Jose, where I uh, moved from. But I have yet to see one since I've moved here. And I'm. this is the only thing that terrifies me of the heat, is that I'm going to be walking my puppy, and she's going to be intrigued by a snake for some reason and run up to it, and she's psycho. She thinks I'm saving her. That's what I got this dog for. I don't know what she's expecting from me. If I run into a snake, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I, I think you're pretty okay in in a big city. I don't know. I've, I, I grew up in the country. And uh, we saw a snake 
like once every couple of years. Like I saw one at my dad's house this last year, and I have a terrible snake phobia, and it took me like forever to just okay, I gotta just kill this motherfucker. <laughs> my my snake phobia is to the point where like if I watch a snake video on my phone, I have to kind of like angle it and like not really look at it too much. And then one time I was watching it and it did the thing where it like bites the phone or it bites the camera, you know, and scares the shit out of you, like jump scare. And I actually, I accidentally threw my phone at the wall. It was not the oh. brightest moment. All right. Well, here's, here's, I'm only going to tell I'm going to say Colorado's not for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> what, does Colorado have snakes? Uh, I mean, I've seen many, many snakes and uh, my son actually got bit by a snake oh, in shit. our backyard oh, when he was like, my, it's my oldest son. He was like two, maybe three. He was real little, and uh, he ended up fine. Uh, it, it was like a warning bite with like no venom, but it was still like ER oh, rush, the whole deal. Like yeah. it was dude, the scariest thing. <laughs> Do they just like bite and let go? Because in my mind, they bite and they hold on. You got to pull them off. So, um, oh, God. Again, he was like two or three. We're pretty sure he was trying to pick it up. Oh, uh, no. And some snakes, uh, adults, it, it, this is a, a rattlesnake. It, it, it oh, uh, depends on the oh snake. Oh, God. Uh, some snakes, the adults will give you like a warring bite, basically kind of a, hey, let me go and, and not try to harm you type of deal. Um, sometimes they will just go ahead and harm you. Um, it depends how big a threat they see you as. Um, but he got real lucky. Yeah. Oh, God. When I was, like, 13, I walked out into our garage, and I sat down to put my shoes on, and I looked to my left, and there is a coiled baby rattlesnake. The babies are and, more dangerous. Yeah. And from yeah. – <laughs> I'm only telling this story because I'm, I'm very drunk at this point. Um, <laughs> the first, first year when I went to St. Mary's for college, I was walking to the dining hall, and I was totally not paying attention. I'm, I think I was listening to a podcast, and um, there was I was walking down this amphitheater, and there was like a, a wall about arm high, and all of a sudden I see out of the corner of my eyes a brown blur moving, and all the years of my living in the country had just taught me it's a snake, so I just lashed out with my hand, and I punched a squirrel. And it flew like it flew like. So your instinct is to punch the snake. That's what everybody's reaction is, and I'm just like I'm just trying to move it away from me, (laughs) and and I just watch this poor squirrel like squeak and run away because like the squirrels at St. Mary's were so used to coeds feeding them, and so I just stared at it for like three minutes, like, oh boy. I just did that. That squirrel is feeling how I'll feel if they take back Jones tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, I'm just going to be paying attention to uh, Niners Twitter, (laughs) particularly friend of the show, Kenny of of, uh, D-Lo and KC, because, uh, you know, that's a must-listen midday uh, show in Sacramento, and I've been listening to them, and uh, I very much say that Kenny is feeling right now like I was in 2018 uh, when there was rumors, boy, the Kings really like Marvin Bagley. And I'm like, no, don't fucking do it. Don't fucking do it. Um, if if either of you 
need to call it, feel free at any moment. I'm just going to keep bullshitting in random directions for a second. I've been <laughs> watching a bunch of quote-unquote classic movies, and I know that offends some people because I'm like 12 years old, so classic movies came out like 10 years ago. Um, but my most recent one is Pr- Saving Private Ryan, which I only got about halfway through before I realized it's a two-and-a-half-hour movie and I need to get some sleep, so I'll probably finish the second half tonight. Um, but some of the ones recently have been The Departed. There's been Heat. That Rich was really pushing Heat on me, and it was a cool movie, but it wasn't phenomenal, I will say, which he didn't take kindly to me saying that. Um, I don't either. No? I also don't, I also don't like you calling it. Saving Private Ryan, which came out when I was in high school, a classic <laughs> movie. But Also, I've never seen Save It Private Ryan. God damn it. You too. I know. I, every, time I'm on the, every time I'm on this podcast, you guys reveal how <laughs> terrible your taste in movies are and how young you are. Yeah, so this, this is, is what the, I'm telling you. Greg, help this me with is my the, taste. What I, do I need to watch? This is the I haven't seen classic movies podcast. <laughs> They're not classic movies. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're classics, but new classics. <laughs> All right. Yeah, new classics. I want to watch movies with color, Greg. Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Pulp, go watch Pulp Fiction. I have seen that a while ago. Oh, okay. All right. I guess it's been long enough that I could use a refresher. But what what movies do I need to watch, Greg? So are you thinking like 90s? Is that what you're kind of trying to fill in your gaps on? Well, just whatever is seen as, you know, objectively good movies that I haven't seen. Which I know there's a lot there. But just, like, name me some of your favorite movies off the top of your head. Oh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge movie dork, so I've got, like, a million favorite movies. I'm just trying to think of things from, like, the 90s, since that kind of seems to be your blind spot. Um, it doesn't even so like, have to be that though. Like I watched like Grand Torino recently and hadn't seen it before. Like, sure, um, that's a classic movie. I, I, again, quote unquote classic. Like I don't, yeah. I, I don't think anyone considers that a classic. <laughs> no, yeah, in either age or quality. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, like, have you seen The Big Lebowski? No. God. Okay, comedy. I'm gonna. Yeah, break, I'm, gonna comedy, I'm gonna. Right? I'm gonna break. Greg's mind here because Lord knows I went to college with two of my best friends in the world think that's the best movie of all time I and I, Lord knows I should like stoner movies most overrated movie I've ever seen in my goddamn life no so here's the key with that movie because the first time I saw it I saw I thought the exact same thing it's one of those movies you have to watch more than once because the first time you're watching it to live up to all these expectations the second time you're just watching it as stuff's happening. It's a great movie to throw on a couple of times in the background while you're doing something else, and then it just kind of seeps into your brain, and then it'll never leave. I think you told me that last time we had this exact same conversation, and I watched it again, but I think I was too drunk that time because it still was <laughs> right. <wrecked. laughs> you you, gotta, you, you keep going. Just keep plugging away. <laughs> Get those reps. I mean, any any movie that you have, like, really high expectations, anything that you go into with really high expectations, you're going to be disappointed. Uh, is my Kill, Kill Bill. Uh, yeah, seen. you can't go in with high expectations on any movies, especially movies that everyone says are the best, because 
It's mostly just that people enjoy kind of thinking about the time of their life when they first watched the movie. But uh, I'm trying to think of some other great classics. Um, did, did either of you get around to watching Tombstone since last we spoke? No. Not yet. Oh, God. shit. I'm writing oh, this down right I, now. You guys. I got one for you, Brendan. You Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Have not seen. Wow. Couldn't even tell you what it's about. A snake, well, it's, maybe. It's about the Holy Grail. It's a very uh, historically accurate movie about a quest for a Holy Grail. Got it. Got it. You know, when I think of like what are going to be classic movies for me when I'm older, of what I watched when I was young, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is like I Am Legend. <laughs> what? I really enjoyed that movie when I was young, when I was really pretty young. Um, uh, I, I enjoyed I it, but that's not a classic. <laughs> well, but see, like, no, I'm talking, like, you know, years down the line when I'm talking to my grandkids, you know, <laughs> we're talking in the future, like, when the Kings make the playoffs again, that see? this will be, <laughs> you know, like, what I enjoyed when I was young sort of thing, you know? God, see, and I had, I I had a thing for Will Smith, I admit, so. I can't be in this conversation because I'm such a genre freak that I really only truly connect with science fiction and fantasy movies. Like, I'll watch Lord of the Rings a bajillion times. Um, so have, you, have you guys I've seen watched. Alien and then oh, yes. Aliens? Yes, absolutely. Oh, those are two different movies? They're just plural? Yeah, they yeah. pluralized it for the sequel <laughs> okay. because oh, in the sequel it, there's it. more than one. Oh shit! Okay, <laughs> do, do not watch, Brandon. Do not watch Alien at night. Just don't do it. No, it holds no. up extremely well. It is l- legitimately the scariest movie I've ever seen in my damn life. I love it. I, I love it love because of movies. what it. I love it for what it did to the science fiction genre. But oh my god. All right. um, I got a list going on here. I got Tombstone, Monty Python, and the Holy Grail, Alien, and then Aliens. Uh, have you seen Dazed and Confused? No. Good movie. Very good that, movie. That's a great movie, and it it's a movie that was made in the 90s about the 70s, and so I think it holds up very well. Okay. Let's see. Hmm. Oh, surely you've seen Shawshank Redemption. Yes, that was a very okay. good movie. See, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, legitimately, I think that's the one time where a classic movie lived up to its name for me. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy that. I, I will say, like, I hadn't seen many Tom Hanks movies before, um, and oh. those have all just hit amazingly well. Oh, um, Catch Me If You Can is probably my favorite one I've seen in the oh. last good stretch really of, good. I don't know, maybe this year. That was phenomenal. Um, Following up on my uh, science fiction of Apollo 13, I, if, if there's ever a time that it's on TV, I watch it. Have not seen either. Apollo All right. 13. If you like Tom Hanks movies, you'll love Apollo 13. Oh, that's a Tom Hanks movie. All right. Yeah, oh, you yeah, got yeah, me yeah. there. Uh, Castaway, another Tom Hanks movie. That's Haven't really seen. Good. Do know the premise, but have not seen. Yeah, the premise is in the title. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it's not like it's not like the Departed, where I'm like, 
Megan had to explain to me why the departed title made sense at the end. Oh, it was on the card at the funeral. What? Have you seen Goodfellas? Yes, I watched that one. Um, it It was good. Uh, I've never watched Godfather. I have not either, so uh, this is next on my list, actually. Oh, so I, I will go contrary here to like a fan of Godfather, or Godfather Part 2, as most people are. I, I I remember there being a massive sacramental argument about Godfather a couple of years ago. It, it's a Those are movies that you're either going to love or you're not going to understand why anyone loves them. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, I'm trying to think of but, what movies but I will that's, that's like the type of movie somewhat that I'm talking of that it's like I feel like I just like have to have seen at some point see I'm trying to think of like I'm going by your definition of what movies am I going to care about in 60 years have you seen Goodwill Hunting no. oh yeah great movie no depressing that's, that's a great movie, movie. Great movie. I, I'm I'm writing that's what this pause is here. <laughs> All right. Well, I think I've got a little list here. See, this is what happens. And if you're still listening, I very much appreciate you. But this is God what bless happens. You. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> if you're still listening, I need you to at Kings Bull Twitter and let us know which movies <laughs> we need to we need to watch that we left off this list. Let us know. Let me know which movies they're telling me to watch that are actually shitty. Um or back them up here. Maybe we just close oh, yeah. out with, or do you have another we one? Could, we could have slid in, like, I'm trying to think of the most. Uh, What's the best basketball movie? movie? He got game. White Man Can't Jump. Or, or <laughs> well, you guys <laughs> okay. were quick. You guys were quick. You know, White Man Can't uh, Jump is a great answer. Yeah. Uh, Hoosier, Hoosiers is really good if you want to, like, be motivated to go play basketball. But the Hoosiers best. is a great movie if you want to be motivated to go like throw a chess pass. Like, <laughs> no, I, I love Hoosiers. Movie. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> basketball, oh, best basketball movie is White Man Catch Up. I'm trying to think of like a troll movie. My my favorite basketball for what movie for what it's worth is Coach Carter. Oh, I got it. When I was oh. when I was 15, Coach Carter's fine, but when I was 15 and my cousin was 11. We talked my dad into taking us to see Team America World Police. <laughs> and my 11-year-old cousin's walking out of that theater screaming the theme song, which if you know it, you know why that's <laughs> fucking hilarious. I'm going to have to educate myself. Uh, all right. Um, I said that we should get to a couple of these uh, literally just one other one that was a response to this KP Twitter post. We'll do a quick, and Greg, you can pass on this if you want. This is NBA draft prospects in the seven to eight range. Um, I will list what Tankathon has as their top six, Bryant, and you give me two names that are not in there, okay? okay. Top six, Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, Jonathan Kuminga, and Scotty Barnes off the board. You're picking at either seven or eight. Give me two names. Well, where the heck is Moses Moody? I'm going right. to die on this freaking hill. Like, it, it it just doesn't make sense to me why he wouldn't be in that range. I think he's got 
I mean, Jalen Green, Jonathan Kuming are definitely in a different tier to him. But, I mean, of anybody else you mentioned, Moses Moody has the highest ceiling to me. Um, I, I I feel like I know who you want me to say, and I'm not going to say him. Oh, so well, I'll just go damn with – Damn right, I'm going to say it. I'll just go with Josh Giddy. Uh, wow. Make, uh, make our buddy Tim happy. Make our buddy Tim happy. Okay. Yeah, minor, Moses Moody and Franz Wagner. I don't know what else you want me to say. Yeah. All I know is that Wagner's unlock Marvin Bagley. So that's all I need. That's all right, need. Uh, Greg, I'm going to give you five names in the 6 to 11 range. And you just have to tell me why this draft sucks. Okay. <laughs> uh, Jalen Johnson played 13 games at Duke. Scotty Barnes. Shot 25% from three. Corey Kispert, somehow a senior from Gonzaga, 22 years old, uh, three-point shooter, can't really run that fast, is going to go top ten. Franz Wagner airballed a shot in uh, the closing minutes of Michigan's loss to UCLA. Shut up. And uh, Moses Moody is awesome. I mean, I thought you were going to have me explain why the draft is. All those guys are terrible, right? No. You have heard us talk a lot about that group and try to get ourselves hyped up for the Kings not being in the top five. Uh, has anybody in that group stuck in your brain? Um, I watched that game where Franz Wagner was just, like, clanking good looks to get himself to the national championship, and I'm like, all right. I'm going to be the only one. I'm going to be the only one. It's going to be freaking hilarious. Like, honestly, that was like 90% of why I watched that game was just like, all right, let's see what this Franz Wagner guy is. (laughs) I actually didn't even watch the game, so that's probably helping. uh, I mean, pass on some of the the goofy white seniors from from Gonzaga. Yeah, I feel like that's, I feel like half fine, Kings, that's not a top ten pick. I'm sorry. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and be like Jalen Suggs is really fucking good, and I've and like I've I've draft crushed on Gonzaga guys before. Everybody knows I was the captain of the please draft Brandon Clark bandwagon. I feel like Kings Twitter is making Corey Kispert a thing just to freaking piss me off. Um, going kind of a, a reach. Uh, Zaire Williams. Like, what happened mm. to him? Why is he so low? Oh yeah. Um, because if you just look at his numbers and don't take into any context how shitty his season was, how skinny he is, um, and what kind of basketball skills he has, uh, he doesn't. If you just look at like his stats, he's you probably wouldn't even have him in the top thirty. Yeah. But so if you don't take that. into consideration his physical attributes and how he plays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just recognize the name. I'm just looking at a list here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and I, I'd say, like, I still think he's top ten, but he did have just, like, a super <laughs> shitty situation. And I guess, you know, it, it. this is a whole different pod also, but I think it, like, challenges philosophically how you feel about this draft. You know, do you want to take, like, a home run swing that could absolutely bust as well when this is, you know, potentially – I think the idea is that this is the last year that you're really picking this high, right? 
Absolutely. That's the hope. (laughs) Yeah, right. All right. You know, okay, final thing to get us out of here. I can't drink tequila. I got really messed up one time on tequila, and there's been times when I've been drinking with friends, drinking multiple different things, and I have one bit of tequila, and it sends me over. And then I can keep drinking, but that tequila screws me over. Is there any alcohol that you guys just will not touch? Oh, I remember my baby drinking years. <laughs> For me, it was rum. I had way too much rum at my first college party, and I couldn't drink rum for years. Um, so for mine, it's a hot dam, which is a cinnamon schnapps, but I got really drunk on their 100-proof version. Oh, and it, I can't like I struggle to chew cinnamon gum anymore, let alone <laughs> drink alcohol. So like you know, Fireball, hot, like anything cinnamon alcohol, I'm out on. Like I can't do it anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. I I enjoy a good Fireball sometimes, but that's not good for you. I got for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Well. That's all I've got here. Um, Greg, any final thoughts before we close this out? The night of long night, man. 50, nearly 50, 49-point loss to the Utah Jazz for the Kings tonight. Any uh, just final a, thoughts? Uh, just a closing shout-out to our friend, or at least my friend. I don't know if she likes you guys. Uh, Morgan <laughs> Reagan is going to be joining Mo. She's going to be on uh, Kings pregame live and postgame live on Friday. They announced it right after the game. Oh, that's uh, awesome. So excited for her. She's going to crush it. She's awesome. Yeah, she, she should be permanently on the on the show. And she's the great. Absolutely. She's going to crush it. They probably have night chat, Deuce and Mo going right now that I'll check out after this. They're insane that they keep these going so late. I don't know how they find all the content. I guess when Deuce is sitting here talking about Jamal Marie's chest hairs, they can keep conversation <laughs> going the same way that we're sitting talking about who the hell knows what. Um, imagine imagine what this Sacramento media landscape is going to be like when the Kings are good. If. If. <laughs> I mean, if. We might all be dead by then. So it's, who knows? True. <laughs> it's true. We'll all be <laughs> talking about I Am Legend. And to every, and to, I mean, I'm going to steal this from Greg. To every single one of our listeners who makes it this deep into the podcast and still feels like we're doomers, like we just made ourselves watch a 49-point loss to the Kings. Why do you think we're here? And uh, in our our Slack, uh, Rob has seen Section 214. He, I think you said it best. We all love the Kings. We just hate seeing what they are right now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, thank you to everybody that has listened this far. Um, definitely check out all the great work going on at the King's Herald and give a look at the Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this off-the-wall episode of the King's Post podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days here. <laughs>